Um, who remembers uh, when Roger was here the other day? Um, he spoke. He, he, he told this story about the guy that that uh, carved that uh, statue of David out of that block of granite. And they asked the guy, like, where did you get this vision for for the statue? And uh, and the guy said, well, David was always in the block of granite. I just had to knock out this stuff that wasn't part of him. So uh, I thought that was a really good point, and the only reason I'm bringing that up is in case I don't have a better point this evening. (laughs) If not, refer back to that as the highlight. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, yeah, I've I've been... uh, I've been listening to um, a guy called Chris Vallotton uh, recently, um, a lot of his stuff, and he's a, he's a pastor at Bethel, um, he's a really cool guy, and I, I've just really been enjoying his heart and, and some of the stuff that he's been speaking about. So I've just really felt inspired by some of the things that, he's, that I've, I've heard him say this last week, and, um, and from that, uh, God has put a lot of stuff on my heart as well. And um, I don't really like to, to just choose a topic and talk about it. Um, I prefer to, to just wait on God and be inspired by the Holy Spirit and then and go with that. So I really felt like uh, the Holy Spirit put some stuff on my heart. And uh, yeah, I'll, I, I trust that whatever God is wanting to stay will, uh, will come through. So um, it's interesting that we've been speaking about the goodness of God because that's what I've been thinking about this whole week um, in preparing for this. And it's just like... Uh, constantly, whenever I'm trying to think or, or I was asking God, what is on your heart for me to talk about? All I can think about is the goodness of God. Yeah. And, and if you want to give um, a theme or a, or a title to what I'm talking about, then it's um, the transformation of our minds through the goodness of God. Yeah. So whatever I'm saying, try and hear it through, try and look at it through those lenses. Okay, so I heard um, Chris... Chris Vallotton, he, he spoke about um, this, it was either a dream or a vision that he had. I think it was a dream. Um, and, and in this dream, he walked into a building and there were these little kids all around. And he walked over to the one boy and he put his hand on his head. And as he did that, he saw that there was this chasm in the top of the boy's head. And as he looked down and he looked into this chasm, he saw that the boy's brain was deformed. And as he saw that, he heard this voice. And the voice said to him, um, do you know who these kids are? And he said, um, it's the children of God. And the voice said, yeah, you're right. And then the voice said, um, can you see that their feet are fine? And he said, yeah. And, and then God said, uh, that's because they're willing to go wherever I tell them. And then God said, can you see that, that their hands are fully formed? And he said, yeah. And God said, that's because they're willing to do anything for me. And then God said, can you see what's wrong with them? And he said, yes, their, their brains are deformed. And, and then God said, you know, the reason for that is because the culture that they've been born into has deformed them. And that is why they need to be renewed in their thinking. Wow. So what, what that is really saying is that we are great slaves, but we're not good sons. Yeah. And God wants sons. We've been born into a great universe. And the word universe means one song. So we're in this dance with the Lord. And He's made a move on us. (laughs) And the next move is ours. God does not want a slave girl. 
He wants a bride. He wants a Proverbs 31 woman who can consider a field and buy it. He wants someone that can think. Where, where did Jesus die? Where was he crucified? What was that place called? Golgotha. Yeah? Okay, what does it mean? Place of the skull. Okay. Have you ever wondered why? Why was Jesus crucified at the skull? Okay. What did Jesus have on his head when he was crucified? Crown of thorns. Have you ever wondered why it's a crown of thorns? Um, you know, I've often over the years paid little attention to the smaller details or the things that I've thought are the smaller details in the story of Jesus. And um, in time, I'm learning that the things that I think are the smaller details actually mean something much deeper. So at the fall uh, of of Adam and Eve, um, what was the curse that came on the woman? It was that she would experience pain in childbirth and that she would um, she would have desire for her husband, but he would rule over her. What was the curse of the serpent? That he would crawl on his belly and eat the dust of the earth. Okay? What was the curse of a man? That he would till the soil, yet it would yield thorns and thistles. Okay? So why a crown of thorns on Jesus' head? Because he was crucifying that way of thinking. Yeah. Amen. So why was he crucified at Golgotha, the skull? Because Jesus is the head of the church. So what does it mean that Jesus was crucifying that way of thinking? Okay? Of, of tilling the soil, yet it yielding thorns and thistles. That is the curse. Yeah. And a curse is where you do the right thing, but the wrong thing still happens. Yes. Okay? And when Jesus died, He broke the curse. Yeah. So when we receive Jesus... We come out of the curse. So in life, there's three levels of life. The first one is curses, where even though you do the right thing, the wrong thing still happens. The next level is sowing and reaping, which is better because at least you get what you plant. The highest level is blessings or inheritance, because you get what someone else worked for. Matthew 6 talks about the birds of the air that do not sow or reap, yet God takes better care of them than Solomon. When we receive Jesus, we move out of the curse and into sowing and reaping. And when we move from slaves to friends, we move into blessing and inheritance. That's good stuff. Okay, when, when, Jesus, when Jesus was raised from the dead, okay, the two cloths that covered his body were still intact. But the cloth that covered his head was folded and put somewhere else. Why was that? Because when Jesus was raised from the dead, the head was revealed. But the body was yet to be revealed. You get that? Okay. The, the body was still covered because when Jesus was raised, the head of the church was revealed. But the body still had to be revealed. What does Romans 8 cry out for? For the sons of God to be revealed. Let's check out Romans 8. Um, (laughs) Romans 8 verse 14. 
For all you are led by the Spirit. For all you are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry out of Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. If heirs of God, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. So, we need our minds to be renewed by understanding who we are as sons of God and who we are, where we are positioned in being accepted into the family of God. In the time of Jesus, when, when a family wanted to adopt a child, um, there had to be witnesses present. Um, when that child is born into the family, a cloak is put on it with the, the colors that represent uh, that family. And a ring is put on his finger with a family crest, yes. sealing the adoption. And that child is, he qualifies for everything that all the other children qualify for. And that child was never allowed to be sold back into slavery. Yes. Okay? So not only are, and I, the, the robe that's put on us is the robe of righteousness, right standing with God. Yeah. And our adoption is sealed by the gift of the Holy Spirit, Amen. the ring that God puts on our finger. So, not only are we brought into this family now, it says Jesus are the, is the firstborn of many brothers. Yeah. Okay? So, Jesus is now our brother. God is our father. We have been brought into this family. Not only are we just there in this family now, but we share in the inheritance of Jesus. Okay? What is that? We've inherited eternal life. But much more than that. Okay? Gee, I mean, if, if you come from a wealthy family, maybe you can understand inheritance better than I do. But when your time comes, the wealth of your family moves to you. It's your birthright. Okay? So the birthright of Jesus is that he gets everything. Wow. God created everything. And Jesus gets it all. So do I. Sure. Woo! Not just eternal life, but blessing and prosperity and all good things. Yes. All good things come to us because we are our sons. Amen. When God looks at us, he sees Jesus. Yes. Yeah. It seems really unfair, but it's really awesome. <laughs> it is unfair, but it's so good. Yes. So we share in everything that Jesus gets. Okay? Again, it goes further than that. Okay? I'm going to go to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as, as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. In the Old Testament, um, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. He was the only person that was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. They'd go behind the cloth, they'd put a, a rope around his leg, okay? 
Because sometimes when he goes in there, the presence of God is so hectic the guy would die. But nobody else could go in there, otherwise they would die as well. So if he's been in there for really long, they just yank on the rope to check if like, he's dead, or if he's still there or whatever. When Jesus died, the veil was torn, and the, the separation between God and man was taken away. And we became, we came face to face with the living God. I've been reading um, out of the Amplified, and, and it talks, it, when, in, when it talks about grace, it puts in brackets, unmerited faith. And I've just really enjoyed it. You know? So, not only does God take away the veil, and we are now face to face with God, He also says, come with confidence and without fear to the throne of unmerited favor. Come to this place and be with your Father. So we're talking about having our minds renewed. How are our minds renewed? By spending time in this place, in the unmerited favor, in that presence of God. By being in the presence of God, our minds are renewed and we are changed. Our minds are also renewed by washing it with the truth of the word, yes. by listening to the preaching of the word, yes. by being in worship. Okay? But the, we are limited in where that can take us when our minds have not been renewed. So when we spend time with the Lord, we, we are changed so that when we then receive the word um, from the Bible or, or preach, that goes uh, beyond just a cerebral understanding, but it hits your heart. And it changes who we are. So as we are changed in the presence of God, it changes the effect of everything else and how it affects our lives. So, I was like, I, was, I thought of these stories to, to tell you guys, you know. And uh, it's kind of like valuable stories for me. But I felt like God moved me to, to tell them. So, I don't know. I really, I trust that it would translate to you. Um, it's that kind of stuff you generally just keep between yourself and God. But anyways, I think he wants me to share that, so here we go. Um, I was, the one day I was driving home from work, and um, I was just pondering about a father like enjoying his son, and, and what his son likes and enjoys. So, I used to be a pretty good sprinter at school, and this, I, I had to run in this one race, and there was this, this kid I was going to run against, and it was like everybody in the region kind of knows who the top guys are. And they knew about this new guy that was there. And, and there was all this tension about me running against this guy. And when we ran the race, I killed him. <laughs> I was him so far. It was awesome. But the best thing was when I went over the, the finish line, I looked across like this and I saw my dad there. And he, and he like jumped and punched the air and he was just like so stoked. And yes. I didn't ever really see my dad like that. But to see that... That's something I'll probably carry with me for the rest of my life. Yes. So to just see my dad enjoy that, enjoy his son being good at something, Amen. or his son enjoying something, was so awesome, you know? So, you know, I, I've, been, I've been speaking to God about Christian job, you know, and I feel like it limits me in how I can experience God, because we use these words and phrases, and I feel like as soon as I start speaking to God or praying and using these things, it immediately takes me into a certain mindset. And I can tell that it limits me in how I experience God. So I've been asking Him to help me to change um, and break away from, from this like, jargon, you know. And um, so in, in pondering about this, a father enjoying his son, I was, I was just talking about, to God and I was saying to Him, you know, I, I really love cricket. And I know a lot of you probably think it's the most boring game that there is. But I, I love it. 
I love this skill, I love the statistics, I love the different formats, I love everything about Perry. And I just I said to God, I really love Perry. <laughs> do you what do you like cricket? <laughs> and I just immediately, and I've never experienced God like this before. It's like I immediately felt him like super excited. Like, yeah, I love cricket. And I was like taken aback. I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. And I normally talk to God about this kind of stuff. And um, and so I was like, okay, so if you if you were to play cricket. Would you be a batsman or a bowler? <laughs> and he said, no, I, I would have to be involved with everything. So I'd be an all-rounder. That's what I like, Okay, this is weird. <laughs> and I said, like, okay, well, what kind of bowler would you be? Would you be a fast swing bowler or what? And he goes, no, 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 I'd be a spin bowler because I'd love to be a bruisal batsman. <laughs> I was like, Jesus is a cricket bird. <laughs> and then the next thing I saw, I saw this picture of Jesus. Long hair, beard, robe, sandals, running into bowl. <laughs> and, and he says to me, you are so religious. I'm like, what are you on about? Look at what you're talking about. He says, why would I ever wear a robe? It's like, thank Good point. And then the next flash, I just see in, in, in cricket ones. That's like, this is too much. And I, just, I just stopped there, you know? And, but it was too... Like, it might seem stupid maybe to you guys, but to me it was so precious because yeah. it's something I love so much. And the way that he just interacted with me around it was just so awesome. And uh, so after that, it kind of changed how I started interacting with him. You know? So I would most, mostly just, probably, I'd say 90% of the time, when I'm interacting with God and I'm just hanging out with God, I'm speaking to him about spiritual stuff. Like, where do I want to get to? You know, what... Like, how do I want to understand the next spiritual thing, you know? Mm. And very little of, of other stuff. Yeah. I felt like it's really wasting time. But I, I've come to realize the preciousness and the value of it. Yeah. What kind of friendship do you just talk about serious stuff all the time? Yes. You know? Another time I was driving and, and I said to God, I loved what you did with that cricket thing, you know? And just do something like that again. Slaughter some holy counsel. As I said it, oh, I see Jesus. Standing on the beach, bodies, t-shirts, long hair, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, this is, and it's, it's weird. So I was just sitting there, okay, it's weird, but it's cool, all right, cool. And then the next thing in the flash, he's got no shirt on. Bodies, no shirt, long hair, yeah, Jesus. I was like, oh, yeah. And then the next flash, clean shaven, no beard. Next flash, short hair. As like, oh, God, this is weird. And, and it stopped right there. But it just immediately showed me again how still I have like this religious view of yes. God. You know? I've, I've always had this, this religious idea of Jesus, of this task-orientated God, you know? This serious task-orientated God. I think God is a lot more fun than that, you know? Yes. Oh, Another time, um, Eddie's brother, he's got a, he's got a Z4, and I love cars. So he let me drive the car down Hellsworth to pass in, in, in Stellenbosch, and it was awesome. Okay? Coming down that hill is not so easy if you're not a very experienced driver and you're not used to driving fast, powerful cars. So it was a bit hectic for me to control the car, but as we got to the bottom, there was this brilliant um, right bend that straightened up and then went into a left bend. 
Okay, so as I accelerated into that, into putting my foot down, getting sucked back in the chair, roof down, hearing the growl of that straight six, man, was, I just started screaming straight. I, was, I loved it, you know? And uh, later that day, I was standing um, on my balcony and I was wanting to pray. And it was one of those days where I was struggling to just to push into God and, and to really get into a rhythm. And um, as I'm getting distracted, I just start thinking about driving a car again. I think back to the sound and the feel, and I'm just like getting a smile on my face, just, I love it, you know? And I just get this intense presence of God, like, come in to, to this moment with me, you know? And I'm just feeling like so enjoying me, enjoying it, Yes. you know? And that is what I believe relationship with God is all about. You know, it's the serious stuff, it just, it just falls into place when, when we primarily build a friendship. Amen. But mutual interest. Stuff both of us love. Last story. Um, Chris Valentin told a story um, that I thought, again, showed the goodness of God and the heart of God. Um, he says it was his dream to preach at Bethel. And um, he gets a chance to preach at Bethel. It's his first time. And um, he says it just goes great. His preach goes brilliantly. The spirit moves. He, he ministers. Uh, he's prophesying over people, people are falling over, and then like he prophesies, the last person he prophesies over is this lady in the back, and he just he says he forgets exactly what he said, but uh, he says something to the tune of you are just a, a queen in the world of a, a queen of God in the world, and God is just going to bless you and raise you up, and there's millions and millions of dollars coming to you and that sort of stuff. And uh, that evening he's lying in his bed and can't sleep, but he's so excited. Though what had happened in the day. He's just thinking about uh, just all, this, all these events, you know. And the next thing, God says to him, you get, that was a really great word you gave that day. <laughs> and he goes, oh, no. <laughs> He's like, uh, great word I gave the lady, or did you give her, her the word? And, um, and God says, no, no, you gave the word. <laughs> and he's like, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I, I really didn't mean, I must have gotten carried away. I didn't mean to do that. I'm so sorry. And God says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. <laughs> and he says, he honestly thought God is going to kill this woman. <laughs> and he's like, I've made a mistake and God's going to kill this woman now. And, uh, and he says, God, how are you going to take care of this? And he said, um, no, I'll just make it come true. And God says to him, yeah, what kind of friend would I be if I just expected you to do the stuff I want you to do? That's incredible. That's incredible. So, the reason why I'm telling these stories is because Psalm 139 is my favorite song. And... Uh, God says He saw our unformed bodies before the creation of the world. So before He created this whole place, He saw each one of us. And He chose each one of us to live in this time, in this place, right now. This is our time for every one of us. He chose us. There's so much thought that went into that. We were knit together in our mother's womb. I was looking at Colleen, looking something for the baby when she was here, when Ben Nunn was here. And um, so I'm thinking about being knit together in my mother's womb and how every stitch like, mattered to God. He took sure. attention to every stitch. Amen. We were woven together in a secret place. Sure. And think about the glory of it. 
in a secret place we were woven together. Meticulously, God has took care of every aspect of who we are. And then it says, how precious are his thoughts concerning us. How vast is the sum of them. They outnumber the grains of sand in the earth. So if he thinks about us that much, because we can't comprehend how much it is. So if he's thinking about us that much, what is he thinking about? I mean, he's thinking about every aspect of our lives. And, and what I'm getting at is, is that, that God is wanting sons. And to become sons, we must be in the presence of God. By being in the presence of God, we are renewed in our thinking and our understanding so that we can be accurate representations of God. Yes. I've often thought about Jesus and, and I couldn't understand, like, I, I would always think that so many people questioned who Jesus was. He, he, they weren't sure that he was the Son of God. And I thought, I don't blame them, because how would you know? He's, he, his, dad's, his dad's a nobody, he's a carpenter, he's just a normal guy, surrounded with, by, by fishermen. There's, like, how would you know? But the more I thought about that, the, the more I disagree with that thought, because Jesus was the representation of God. He was the expression of God as a man. Jesus was a perfect son. Yeah. Jesus was perfect in every way. He wasn't this task-oriented, serious guy. He was perfect in every way. He stood up for what he believed in. He stood against wrongs. He put wrongs right. He released the power of God into the earth. He was kind and compassionate and loving. And he must have had a great sense of humor. And each one of us are called to walk as Jesus did. Each one of us are called to be like Jesus. But we cannot be that if we are not transformed in our thinking. Otherwise, we will, we will just try to be, we will just try to be something that doesn't represent God. Before, before we had God, our identity was that of a sinner. Because we were bound by sin. But we were set free and we received the spirit of life. The spirit of adoption. And, and through grace we've been set free. From, from the bondage of sin. God says He will never again count our sins against us. Amen. However, we've been empowered to overcome the sin in our lives. We have been empowered to live like Jesus. Mm. But we need to be in God's presence to understand how we've been empowered. Yeah. And as we grow in our friendship, God entrusts us with more. He entrusts us with, with more revelation and more understanding so that we can walk as Jesus did. Yes. We need that so badly. And that's what I want for myself. That's what I want for every person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Yes. Being a son, being transformed in our thinking. It's just going to, it will change our lives. The dreams we have, the passions we have. The things that we desire in our lives. This is how God births in our lives. It's through intimacy and friendship, relationship. Let's all stand. I'm not sure where... I don't know what God's got next on his agenda, but I know that I know that God is here. God is in a good mood.
good things are around every corner. He's so good. He's been speaking it to, to a bunch of us this whole week. And um, He's wanting to pour out His goodness. And Father, we just give you free reign in this place. Quite large, Lord. Would you come and pour out your goodness all over us? Father, right now, we, we give your angels freedom to come, come and minister to us. We ask, Lord, that you would commission your angels right now to come and minister to us. And we say to you, Lord, that you have freedom to come and transform us. Father, we pray for encounters with you that will change us. But not only that, Lord, teach us how to encounter you daily. Teach us how to bring you into our workplace. Teach us how to bring you into our marriages. Father, we want you to be part of every aspect of our lives. We want to fall in love with you. You've made a move on us and we want to make a move, Lord. We want to respond to you. Let our hearts respond to you, Lord. favor of God in this place. We declare unmerited favor on each person here. We loose the freedom of God. We loose the freedom of God. Father, we break off bondages right now. And we loose freedom for people to be who you meant for them to be. Engage with us, Lord. We respond to you right now. Just turn your hearts to God as, as we play some, some music now. Just allow, allow the Spirit to just work with your heart. God is moving. God is moving. But let's just give the Holy Spirit space to do what He needs to do. <coughs> I have a, a, a word which I think is um, generally for all of us, but specifically for some people here.
You have bandaged up as best you can. When you think of that area now, you see it as, um, you see this the bandaged area, as in it's, it's okay, it's got a bandage on it. But the Lord is actually saying, He wants to free you from that bondage. When a wound is healed, there's no more bandage. It's gone, the, even the trace of the bandage is gone. So, so there's, there's nothing left of that um, there's no scar left, it's completely new. If you feel that uh, something specific has come to your mind, then just come to the front and we will pray it together. Yeah. But I feel like the word is also for all of us. <coughs> 